Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio. I'm the Gypsy Poet, and this week, along with my awesome co-host, The Walking Dead, Pete and I are interviewing and engaging in an amazing conversation with one of Hollywood's golden individuals of TV, films, and everything in between. Please welcome New Heart Star, as well as the Leprechaun, and the Blue and the Grays, John Baldstadt. Oh. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you, Sophia. Oh, anytime, anytime. Yes. Yeah, hey, yeah. Pete. Yeah, Pete, Hello, honey. Sophia. Thank yeah. you for having me. We are honored to introduce the esteemed Hollywood legends, TV and film <laughs> actor, John Fultstead. How are you today, John? I'm very good, Pete. Thank you for that great, great introduction, guys. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just I'm so glad to be here. You are such a, a huge role model to myself and so many people. I'd like to dive right That's in. Great. On the Please. hit TV show New Hearts, you played a very famous character named Daryl who was one of three brothers on the show. Who was the kingpin of these situations? Well, it was Larry. Larry was our, our, our speaker, of course, because uh, Daryl and Daryl, we chose not to speak, um, which was stated at one time. We, we chose not to speak because uh, we sat on a porcupine when we were young, and, and we were so traumatized <laughs> by that. We, uh, we just chose not to speak again for a while, unless we really needed to. But... Um, Basically, the, the Larry, Daryl, and Daryl are three guys with one mind, so we were all always communicating, if not that with words. That is so fascinating. Yeah. That's a I think, cool way to... I think that you said volumes with your silence, John. Thank you, yes. Uh, my, my brother Daryl's, uh, we, use, we use eloquent shrugs and, uh, and other things, yes. We loved it. He was the stoic. He was the stoic one. I was more the facial, facial one. Harpo Marx was my, one of my icons. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what's? I was going to ask, what's the story behind New Heart for my young listeners? Well, um, basically, he New Heart was a, a how-to writer back in New York, and he decided to. Uh, he and his wife decided to. Uh, retire or move to Vermont and start an inn in Vermont. And uh, he was going to write, and he wrote how-to books in Vermont, yeah. And that we, and he surrounded himself. It took place in a town called uh, Middlebury. Well, actually, Middlebury is the actual place. Um, that the, the scene, the opening scene is from Middlebury, Vermont, East Middlebury. And uh, the Stratford Inn, was what the name of the inn was. And so they started an inn and a bed and breakfast for anyone who wanted, you know. And then we had the, we had a business called Anything for a Buck. And uh, that's when we met him in the second episode called Mrs. Newton's Body. And uh, he came to dig up a, a lady who was buried in the basement. So, and we were excited by that. Wow. 
Well, John, you, you have to see that. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh. Okay. No, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, uh, did you, did you guys get a chance to see that episode, that first episode? You might yeah, absolutely. Not have had time. Oh, good, cool. Yes, that John, was I was la- I was laughing so hard during that episode. Uh, I just actually watched that yesterday, as well as the final sure. episode uh, today. So. Oh wow. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> yes, it was amazing, John. Uh, tell us one thing you loved about Daryl, and if possible, one thing that you did not like very much, and what, if anything, would you have changed if the character allowed? Well, that was a good thing. If we had any, if we felt we needed to add something, you know, that the writers were writing and stuff, we ha- we were allowed input if we had any. But uh, usually they were such good writers, we didn't have to add anything, and... Uh, Daryl was, uh, I didn't, Daryl was a perfect character. And uh, like I'd mentioned, uh, I guess I based it on, on Harpo Marx and, and um, the trio, the Marx brothers, the three of us, you know. And we had such great chemistry when we first met on the set. Uh, our characters kind of developed from each show after that, first initial show. And, uh, there you go. Well, we truly loved that performance in your portrayal. I thought it was perfect. Thanks. That's really nice. Again, Absolutely. we we were we were like uh, three guys with one mind. You know, we, we we reacted off of each other and we reacted off of Bob. That's why he he enjoyed having us back there because we reacted off of him and and etc. And the only time it, when you mentioned Kingpin earlier. Was uh, one time in one episode there was a we found out which Daryl who was the oldest of the trio, and it was supposedly me, and uh, ah. Bill Bill handed me his hat, uh, so I became the kingpin for about a minute and a half, and I decided no I don't like being the kingpin so I handed the hat <laughs> back to him. Wow, well, that's such a cool story. Yeah. It a good episode, that it right? is. Yeah. That it is. Um, I wanted to ask you: Does Daryl reflect anyone in your real life at, at the time that uh, you drew inspiration from, or was he your own finding from inside? No, my own. He was my own thing. On my own. Daryl was part of me. I mean, it's you know, pretty much every character you create is part of you, and uh, and. Um, Daryl was part of me. I, when I went in for, to the audition, the audition they had us read uh, uh, Larry's lines. Uh, um, but they asked me just, they didn't really ask me to read anything. They just, I looked kind of wild and crazy at the time when I came in. And I knew the casting director from theater in Los Angeles, a guy named um, Gene and uh, Eugene Blythe, actually. He cast at the music center. And Tony and I both had worked at the music center. And um, I, I just came in looking wild and wooly because my hair was long. And I'd been working in, uh, for my singing teacher and uh, running errands. And so that's what they liked about me, I believe. <laughs> I was Daryl when I walked in the door. <laughs> Incredible. And you remain Daryl to this day. Uh, but you also, yeah, outside, of, outside of Newhart, 
you've done many amazing things. You did a series called The Blue and the Gray, which was an epic Civil War film. And this really mm-hmm. hits home with Sophia because she saw the film when she was in middle school. What character yeah, did you play? Uh, and Alvin. what inspired you to, with that character as well? Um, once again, it, it was one of those lucky things. It was I played a character named Alvin Mooney. Uh, Mooney, okay. he was very mentally challenged. And um, when I went into uh, read for it and stuff, I uh, that's all I knew. And I saw in the casting director, I read for the casting director, and then they sent me over to meet the director, Andrew McLaughlin. And again, it was one of those uh, lucky things where I went in and I read, and and he was kind of slow-witted, and he was the best friend of of one of the other characters named James Hale, who was played by Jim Bob from the Waltons. David Harper played uh, Jim Bob, and he played my best buddy in uh, in that show. And, wow. Uh, yeah, and... Uh, and I actually, and I don't, do you remember, um, Sophia, do you remember the scene with the rifle where they were, were loading up the rifle and it shoots and shoots past the sergeant? Oh my God. Yes, I think I do. That's me. Wow. Loading the gun. Whoa. Wow. So cool. That was like my, my, that was my comic moment in the film and that, but then, then I, uh, not to give you a spoiler, but I died tragically with an ax to my head. Wow. <laughs> but it was great fun working with all those people. And my one of my greatest moments uh, working on that was with uh, um, uh, um, uh, Gregory Peck played Lincoln. And we happened to be coming down the elevator one day together. And I was like, it was with him, I, I was with him and his family going down in the elevator. Gregory Peck. I mean, gosh. Incredible. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to a little bit more of your career here. Home Improvement was a hilarious sitcom of which we both grew up watching. You play Bob oh, the Janitor. Yes, you play Bob the Janitor at the ER. What was the experience like to play him, and what were the other cast members like? My favorite was Tim's partner on the set, Al Borland, played by Richard Carn. Do you do you yeah, have a favorite? Funny. And, um, uh, my, oh, my, and my my favorite was Mr. Wilson, uh, the guy, mm, the next door neighbor. Yeah. The wise next door. In, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a wise man next door, and uh, but I liked every everybody on the set was 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 great, and um, I did like two episodes, and uh, the producer who had produced it, a guy named Bob Bendison, was also a producer on had been a producer on Newhart, and um, and. Uh, Bob never said much. He knew he knew he knew that uh, he knew Tim. Allen. He knew the character's favorite candy was in the vending machine, and I would always remind him, "Say, hey, we got the candy in the vending machine, tool man." So he would get that. So, and uh, that was that. I, I was the uh, I was always mopping the floor and stuff. And I think one time he came in with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas because he'd hurt his arm, and then another. Incident was when he'd been scrubbing the floor with his uh, waxing, with his waxer, he'd broken his arm. So those were the two episodes I was in. But, but I was always there to give him his uh, fix of sugar. Wow. That's <laughs> quite a story, yeah. So you've also uh, um, 
Okay. Pete, sweetheart. Well, John, John, hey. you've also yeah. worked in some musical theater in productions such as Deer Camp the Musical and Digger. Did you sing in these well, musical productions? Well, first I have to let you know that uh, Digger is actually the character I played in Deer Camp. Oh, so, okay. My mistake. Thank you. For no, no, that's that. okay. It's, it's, it's a logical. It's logical um, because when if you wherever you read it or saw it or maybe if I was mentioning it to you, I might have not specified that it was two separate things. But Digger was the character I played. And, uh, Excellent. Yeah, and I did that with my brother Daryl Tony Papenfus. We did that uh, on the road for two two years on and off from 2011 to 2013. And uh, we, it was written by Gene Jurek. And uh, what it was, it was four guys who go hunting for like, they've been going hunting for like years and years and years, but they never get a deer. Uh, basically, they're just going there to drink beer. And uh, that's about it. And play cards, maybe. They never, they don't know how to shoot or anything. So, um, so in the, the end of it, uh, their wives have made an ultimatum. They say, if you don't get a deer this time, you're never going to go hunting again. And my character was the only one that was not married. And, uh, and uh, my solo song was, was about, uh, uh, was, uh, she's not the same anymore. Because uh, there was a, in it, I'm supposed to, uh, there was a girlfriend from college and she, uh, she, she, she uh, stood me up and didn't want to marry me. And my song is a lonely, sad, like little spotlight song uh, saying how sad I am. But at least I'm glad to have known love at one time. That sounds like a fun time. It really does. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. We had a lot of other great songs. We had like a Chippendale song and stuff like that. Awesome. Yeah. Um. You're also an accredited actor, and you graduated from a well-known place in college to uh, to follow such a passion in acting. Where was it? Mm-hmm. It was in London. It was Weber Douglas Academy of Dramatic Arts, Music and Dramatic Arts in London, and uh, I, I, I graduated from high school and took off for London in nineteen uh, late '69, uh, September of '69, and then I got into school like. Within within the following year, because I had to audition a couple of times at a couple of different schools, and uh, and I was there until seven through seventy two. And I also worked uh, as a stagehand in London too on different musicals. And my best friend uh, is currently an actor in the Royal Shakespeare Company, and we went to that school as well. Weber Douglas Academy of Dramatic Arts. Awesome! Wow. It was very great. nice. But, uh, but it was what was great was as I when I worked in the shows, I worked on uh, Canterbury Tales, which was a musical uh, in yes. the West End, and then as a, I sold uh, ice cream and stuff to audiences, and, and uh, at a play called um, Alpha Beta that starred Albert Finney and Rachel Roberts, and um, I had the opportunity of seeing Sleuth with the original actor. Uh, Anthony Quayle and I went backstage and he gave me a thumbs up. He was one of my uh, like uh, he was very happy to hear I was there studying and gave me a thumbs up. 
Well, that definitely led to an amazing career. But before that, John, where are you from originally? I was born in Norway, Oslo, Norway, and uh, came to the States when I was a wee, a wee babe. Came to New York and uh, lived in New York for a very short time. And my mom's brother moved to Minnesota. We moved to Minnesota. And then gradually my mom, uh, uh, we moved to California because she knew I wanted to act. And uh, and then I actually, actually like uh, no, no, that's okay. Um, I got started acting in Fort Worth, Texas, uh, in musical theater there too. It was like a teenage drama program that they had and, uh, we built sets. I was 13 years old, and, and my mom always knew where to find me. If it was two o'clock in the morning, I was building sets at the Casa Minyana Theater in Fort Worth, Texas. Wow! It sounds like the stars aligned, and you're kind of from all over. But I love that it's giving yeah. you a lot of culture. She was my she was my best friend and and uh, person who wanted to see me get do as well as I could. Absolutely. Yeah. My best friend. My mom was my best friend. Who inspired you to go into acting? Um, Danny Kay. I was, you know who Danny Kay um, Danny Kay and, uh, was one of my early, early icons. And, uh, and Red Skelton. And... Uh, and I would always watch their movies and uh, I would sing the songs. Would, Danny Kay had a couple of, uh, he had one song that was from Bandwagon about uh, three little triplets. I don't know. It's okay if you don't know it. Um, and then, uh, and I, I did a, uh, it was a, like a talent show when I was in fifth grade, I think, or something. And I did one of those songs and, uh, but I did drama. I like I did teenage drama workshops and musical workshops as I was growing up. Like the first one I mentioned was in Texas. Then I took another one when I was in in when we moved to California, like in '64, and uh, and did some children's theater. And, and then all the way through high school, I always I was in drama and all the way through high school. I almost didn't get out of high school because my biology, but I made it through. Well, we're certainly glad you made it through, John. Uh, <laughs> me too. Me too, really. Definitely. Yeah. Well, was there someone outside of acting that kept you going, such as a mentor or a parent, family member? Uh, well, besides my mother, there was a gentleman by the name of Hal Cantor, who okay. um, was a big producer, writer, comedy writer for years and years, wrote, wrote and directed stuff for uh, 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 Martin and Lewis and wrote and directed a Elvis Presley uh, film and wrote for Elvis Presley and comedy in the back in the uh, back in the radio days. He was a really big comedy writer and and um, his daughter Abby and myself were friends growing up in high school and and um, he actually gave me my first jobs. Um, one was on a TV show called uh, a comedy show called Bluffers, a sketch comedy show that. Uh, that Bob Hope hosted and had these great, I had like David Niven in it and all these other great actors. And I had the opportunity of playing four roles. I was a, gri- a gorilla sitting at a typewriter. I was uh, a knight in armor in his chain mail and, and, uh, and a couple of other things. Oh, and a bellhop. Yes. 
delivering a message to Bob Hope. And then also that led to Chico and the Man that uh, Hal Cantor produced and wrote for. And I did a few episodes of that. So I would say uh, I would call him uh, an angel and a mentor besides my mother. That is so fascinating, John, and it's very important to have that support system. Yeah, it is, yeah. And my friend, uh, his daughter, Abby, and her husband, Michael, were all still good friends. Cool. We actually did a comedy thing called Tyrants and Therapy and on the public access channel in, in L.A. And they oh, man. Fans. Yeah. I'll have to look for that. Yeah, you can. You, on YouTube, go to Tyrants and Therapy. Okay. Definitely yeah, will. Check it out. Yeah. So who's your biggest fan in the family? Uh, well, my mom and my son, I guess. My son, probably. And uh, probably that would be it. <laughs> there you go. Well, that makes sense. Um, yeah, John, yeah. what did you what did you want to my be dogs, when you grew up? Yeah, my dogs like me, too. And my son's oh. uh, uh, other grandmother, yeah. I agree with you there. I have a dog who's my supporter as well. <laughs> isn't that, yes, isn't that great? Yeah. yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so, John, what did you want to be when you grew up, and did you manifest that? I I always wanted to act. Always, I was um, when I was watching like uh, Hopalong Cassidy and and uh, those shows and Roy Rogers and I wanted to be those guys. And, and then wow. I would uh, also just uh, I would my mom my mom related to me also that at one time um, I would put on records and lip sync to them like Ricky Nelson and Sinatra and stuff and like uh, <laughs> like. High Hopes uh, was one of my favorite tunes. Sinatra, High Hopes, and uh, and Ricky Nelson, Traveling Man, and stuff like that. And I would be hiding behind a curtain. I'd open the curtain and I'd be lip syncing. Before there was karaoke, guys, you know. <laughs> well, we're so glad that you followed your dreams. Thank you, thank you. Well, I think everybody should. I think you need to have that passion, and if you have a dream, gotta like Elvis said, you gotta follow that dream. Yep. I can tell that that's what you you guys have done. You followed your dreams, and that's why you're getting where you are. Absolutely. So you need to be congratulated, guys. (laughs) Thank you, you. Sir, no problem. Yeah, well, it's it's folks like you who are a source of inspiration to keep uh, folks like uh, Pete and me going. So that's something. Yes, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, what is yeah. your, who or what is your go-to move, your go-to movie or go-to person or idea when you feel like you're running on empty? Oh, that's good. Okay. Um, well, go-to, go. To, there's a guy. Gene Kelly <laughs> would be mm-hmm. a go-to person, and uh, and singing in the rain, and uh, and uh, singing in the rain, and. Uh, those would be my go-to ones for, yeah, to 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 lift up my spirits. Donald O'Connor in uh, in Singing in the Rain, make them laugh, make them laugh. That's a that would be a a, a mantra of mine. Make them laugh. Yeah, we all need that boost sometimes. We do. We do. And yeah, John. Could you tell us something besides acting that you really enjoy doing? 
Um, I enjoyed doing uh, music. I did music with my friends. Like I mentioned, Abby and Michael, they had a band, uh, Tyrants and Therapy. But uh, we also had another band called U.S. Customs at one time where I introduced different songs. Uh, and then uh, and um, I was like the, the intro guy. I was a customs inspector, and I would drag the band off stage at the end after introducing the tunes or whatever. Um so I with music and just and going to movies, going to movies and uh, and bowling. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. very cool. There you go, my kingpin. There we go. That reference of kingpin again. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you portrayed a shop owner in the 1993 yeah. horror comedy film Leprechaun. Was this a Indeed. fun role for you? Oh yeah, it was great fun. It was super fun. And, Warwick Davis, who played the Leprechaun, you know him from all the Harry Potter movies and and others. And, and I, actually, that movie uh, was Jennifer Stan, uh, Jennifer Aniston's first film. It was her introduction to to um, she played the female lead in that. And, oh, very uh, cool. It was great fun. It was great. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, and it was great. I, actually... I got my kneecap bitten off and I was pogo stick to death you know <laughs> so you can't what a fun that. role it was it was great and they had to uh, build a torso for me so because the, as the, the leprechaun goes on his pogo stick he jumps on and he plunges the pogo stick into my chest and then you know blood comes spurting out all over the place and, and so they had to build a torso that they could plunge <laughs> that into man Wow. Well, we're glad you made it. And I actually worked with yeah. Jennifer Aniston on a film called Office Christmas Party. She's a very cool actress. Um, she's lovely. Yeah, she's very sweet for that. For her first she really is. Too. Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, that's that's cool. amazing. You were you you helped her out. She's she's here because of you. So. Uh, <laughs> right, John. Not to mention her dad, who was on Days of Our Lives. Yes. Oh wow, that's incredible. You didn't know that? Uh, honestly, I did not. You got me. Yeah, he 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 played a guy named Stavros. I think that was the character's name on Dave. Oh yes, yes. Okay, yeah. I do know the character. Absolutely. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, John, I have one final question. Sure. Uh, myself, you had a role in the World War II film, nineteen forty-one, which was filmed in nineteen seventy-nine. Oh, yeah. And in this yeah. movie, you worked with John Belushi, John Candy, Dan yeah. Aykroyd, Robert Snack, and you were directed by the legendary Steven Spielberg. Could you tell our listeners yes, a little bit about this experience? This was it was it was great. It was a uh, it wasn't a huge role. It was like uh, the character was called one of five nerds, uh, and and um, and uh, we were basically we I was in the USO scene and for the USO fight. But I, I there's like one really nice close up of me in there. But um, made some good friends. And Spielberg was a great guy, and and I actually uh, had run into him again later on when he was going to do Peter Pan and. Uh, he said, yeah, go see my casting directors for Peter Pan. So I didn't get in Peter Pan, but at least I, I had uh, the okay from Stephen to go, wow. see, say, go say hi to these casting people. Wow, what an experience. Was great. Yeah, it was great. It was great. That, that actually led to, to um, uh, working on uh, Enemy of the People with uh, Steve McQueen. Oh, uh, cool. cool. And that, that, that was on the MGM lot. And... Uh, Anyway, that was a segue. Fantastic. Guys. I love it. The last question, um, 
You've also worked on movies such as Stripes, Ghostbusters, National Lampoon's Vacation, yeah. and Forrest Gump. And you have worked on TV shows such as Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Coach, Charlie's Angels, Chips, and more. Out of all of the productions you've worked on, is there one that stands out to you as the most significant to you personally other than Newhart? That would be Stripes. Because that was Bill Murray, again, with John Candy, Harold Ramis, um, uh, John Larroquette. I worked opposite John Larroquette playing his oh. corporal um, in Stripes. And if you remember the film, uh, there's a scene where I say, grenade, I run out, he hands me a grenade. And, uh, and I say, grenade. Then there's also another thing where he's looking at the women uh, showering, and he says he wishes he were a loofah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, so, and he's playing with these little toy soldiers. Larkett was a great, the cast was great, and great people, and Candy, John Candy was wonderful, and Murray was great, and Remus. Uh, it was a great experience. And we shot that um, in uh, the Army base was uh, in Fort Knox. We shot in Fort Knox, and then uh, there was supposed to be the Russian, uh, the Russian camp because we were held prisoners by the Russians. Uh, and... Um, they, that was the Jim Beam Distillery in in uh, in uh, in Kentucky, I believe it was. Yeah, or Indiana, Kentucky or Indiana. Yeah, it was the Jim Beam Distillery. So Fort Knox and Jim Beam Distillery, we shot at. It was great. I movie. love that movie. Fantastic. Yeah, and John, great. We're actually running out of time, but I just wanted to thank okay. you, John, and tell you it's been an honor. It's been a privilege. We love and acknowledge you. We greatly value you for your time, and you are an inspiration to us, sir. And thank well, you. Well, thanks, and you guys are as well to me because it's great to see new people coming up and doing what they want and doing, following their dreams. Oh, thank yeah, you. So I just, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mr. Volstead, for calling in on GPR and enjoying the conversation with Mr. Sure. Pitts and myself. And I just want to give some props yeah. over to Craig Muckler this evening, who is an avid listener of GPR. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Eventually, we he's, got gonna a lot. In, uh, he's gonna put the brother. He's bringing the brothers back in a film called uh, Howard Lake. He told me. So. Oh wow. That's awesome. Uh-huh. So yes, Craig, I know you're listening, and I and I'm glad that you've tuned in. Thank you all so much for uh, for tuning into GPR. I also want to say a great big thank you to Mr. John Volstead for calling in and joining us on on the show. So you can also find GPR on Apple Music, uh, P- uh, Pandora, as well as anywhere podcasts are accessible, including iHeart.com. So feel free to visit any of those platforms to catch GPR if you cannot catch it here. You can also find it on Spotify. And uh, anywhere and everywhere podcasts are uh, are streamed and accessible, including Google Play. So before I go here, I just want to say a great big thank you to everybody that listened in. I, um, I want to give a few people uh, a little bit of love, including Craig Muckler once again. I also want to give some thanks to Catherine Coven Pacino for supporting GPR, and especially on Facebook and other forms of social media. I also want to thank Mr. Mel Novak for calling and, and tuning in as well. And be sure to tune in next week with Jeffrey Burleson, who is a wonderful... Uh, wonderful musician and a classically trained pianist and we will be talking to him about what's going on in the world of piano as well so thank you all so much for joining gpr and mr volstead a big virtual hug to you at at a time when covid19 has dominated our lives (laughs) and also and also yes and of course to my love my lovely co-host mr pete pitts for joining me it is a joy knowing that i had a wonderful conversation with the both of you guys okay ditto ditto thank you both this is 
Yes. So this is the Gypsy Poet signing off saying adios for now. Goodbye. 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 Adios. <laughs>